0: new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 67.7 and we are continuing and finishing our playthrough of Radiant Historia. Today I have with me on the road, the king of the road, Matt Quinn. Hey guys. Yeah, you are recording in your car.
1: <laughs> I am recording in my car far away from home. Yeah,
0: <laughs> West Virginia. Far away from any home. On the, on the country yeah. roads of West Virginia.
1: And they are rural. I, I mean, I grew up rural, but this is this is some
0: kind of rural. Shenandoah River. Anyway, I need to stop singing that. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, last we left off, I can't really remember where we left off since I played so much of this game. I can't really remember. Uh, I, I think I left off – the end of chapter six in the standard timeline, and I was at the beginning of chapter six in the alternate timeline.
1: Yeah, I think that's about right.
0: Yeah. Uh So I've started with the alternate timeline. In fact, I don't go back to the standard timeline until the very end of this game.
1: Yeah, because when you're in the standard timeline, you've basically come almost right to the end.
0: But I don't think I ever ran into a a block that forced me to go back to the alternate timeline. Did you? Uh, I I don't think so. But what,
1: was it wasn't it the standard timeline that had the block where you needed to save the three resistance members?
0: That's correct. Yeah.
1: Yep. So that that was that was the only big block for me in the end of the standard history.
0: Gotcha. So um yeah so we'll talk about alternate timeline stuff right now. Uh, in alternate timeline we uh we're still paired up with Rosh. We got his newfound um will to live and fight back and um he helps us um move into Granorg after we have uh brought together the beast kind to help us fight against them. Um, I guess that was what the next the next thing we were doing was moving into Grand Org, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yep. yep. Now that we've now that we've amassed a bit of an army,
0: right. And uh, pro- and I think as I think as we
1: mentioned last episode, this really to me feels like the the demarcation of the beginning of the end of the game. Right. Like you're making a big assault.
0: Yeah, we're taking back. What's, what's been taken from us, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, we've rallied the troops, and now we need to put them into, put them into service.
0: Yeah, we've had our lands meet, now it's time to take on the Archdemon. Yep. So, yeah, um the, um I guess the only thing Granorg has going for it, cause in this timeline, Granorg's pretty much losing the war against Alistair, because Alistair's using the Thaw Machines or whatever, and they also have, we we find out they also have the ability to turn people into dust using the power of flux uh which is basically the ability to uh alter time by draining the mana out of all life form so um but yeah we 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 go into grand Org and i think the only really op- opposition that we have is uh is it dios is the only one still yep. left? Yep. So Diaz's uh, uh, men uh, and a handful of Granor people are still holding them. Uh, but we, uh, I think it, we don't actually fight Diaz. We fight his soldiers, like his his bodyguards.
1: Yeah, yeah, like his elite guard.
0: And then, uh, then Stock kills him in in a cutscene. I guess slightly
1: unexpectedly.
0: I, this is the end of the game. Everybody dies. Yeah. In my opinion, that's how it goes. So, um, so Matt, let me ask you this, because I'm going to just kind of skim through the fights and say, did you have a problem with it? Did you do any grinding since the last time we recorded? Uh...
1: I did a little bit, but only a couple of levels. I even, even at the end of the game, I think I was maybe slightly under-leveled. So I did just a little bit because it seemed like I was definitely behind. But I, I probably only grinded about three levels.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. What level were you when you finished the game? Uh, 53. Wow. So I had trouble with some of the last boss fights, and I was... I ended it at 58.
1: Yeah, I I know some of the recommendations said you should be 68 or 70, and I was like, I just, that would take me, I don't know, five or more, seven, eight hours of just grinding maybe. I don't know. Maybe not that long.
0: Yeah, no, I couldn't do that. No. I, I just, that last boss fight was kind of like by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> because, it, well, I mean, we'll get into it, but. It's because of the, the standard JRPG trope of a boss fight that has multiple tiers to it. Yep. Um and Not the
1: tiers in shed.
0: Yeah, no, these are, these are, I should say, this is not my final form. And then you kill that and you say, that's not my final form either. It's really annoying. Um. But yeah. So I'm just gonna kind of skim through some of the fights. Mainly, for the most part, there is one last quote-unquote dungeon of this game. Well, technically, there's two because we still have to go through the underground lab for Hugo. So basically, yep. we take over Granorg. We we kill Dios, and we take over Granorg. And uh Erica is now Queen Erica. Because she has taken her rightful place on the throne, no one is- And there's a whole
1: lot of conversations about flux.
0: Yes. So we get some more information, and not a lot of it at this time. Um, so basically, there is a ritual that has to be performed, and it has to be performed by somebody who has the ability to uh, control mana and flux. Most of this happens with the royal family of Granorg. And uh that's all the information we get at the time. Uh what is hinted at is that Oct knows what needs to be done and she knows that she doesn't want Stock to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they give you a lot of little bits and pieces, like almost annoyingly so where they just throw something in or uh, a screen fades to black where Erica says, does she know? Yeah. Um, You know, and then other bits and pieces like Tio and Lipty saying, oh, Historia was created with the Power of Flux. Everything is based on the Power of
0: Flux. Right. But nobody can tell you because they don't want to, they want to leave it for a big reveal at the end for some reason.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) There's no reason not to tell Stock this stuff. There is no reason why Erica did not tell Stock this stuff. Yep. So um, now it's now that we have regrouped in Grand Org and united them along with the Beast Kind, we now feel that we can take on Alistelle and take them back as well. So that's that's the next thing on the list. Uh, we go through, uh, the Sand Fortress, uh, to, uh, get to Alistel. Um, there is a big thing that happens here. Um, a few, a little bit more pieces of information. Um, basically, uh, Erica and Stock have a conversation And, uh, it's almost hinted at that stock may be related to Erica. Yep. And, um... Which
1: which we knew he, it seems like he has royal blood, so... There's some sort of connection was already hinted at.
0: But we hear that a little bit later on, when we time travel again. But, uh... The big thing that happens here is that we run into that shadowy figure he appears and brings along some shadows, and we have to fight him. Uh, we fight it. I had a little bit of trouble with this fight. That's when I started grinding after this fight. Um Was this the one with the three shadows? Yeah, it was three shadows. I think one of them was like a tiger or some kind. Oh, uh, no. I was thinking of the one. Th- there's one
1: fight... Maybe this is maybe this isn't the one, but there was a fight when you're sitting under the tree.
0: That's the one talking, to yeah, yeah, that's the one.
1: Yeah, that that's the one that I had some trouble
0: with. That was the one where I was like, okay, I need to grind. Yep. Because man, that was—I think I died once there, and then had to go back and grind some. I went to the vaulted time. Uh, so yeah. Um. We the the shadowy figure disappears, and, and um, we don't know where he goes. But we're gonna—you better get used to that because that shadowy figure is going to constantly disappear throughout the rest of the game. Uh, Oct shows up, and uh, that, that's the, the reason why I had trouble with this fight was because I was forced to use Oct and Erica.
1: Yeah, two of my weakest characters that yeah. I have not leveled and also have no equipment for.
0: Yeah, that was the biggest issue. Um, so I decided to, you know, go back and grind some more.
1: Yeah, I did just a little bit of grinding here, but more than that, I went and bought a lot of equipment for them, which I think probably did even more than the grinding did, but they, they probably only went up about two levels, but they also got maxed out with the best weapons and armor, so second round, they were quite a bit
0: stronger. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, It's not that big of a deal, but it's a small pet peeve for me, especially in role-playing games. When I level up, I want to see a screen that shows every single stat that went up and how much it went up by.
1: Yeah, so I feel like it makes
0: a difference. So I can see what kind of increments is actually working. Is it better to equip stuff that raises my stats, or is it better to level up? That's that's the thing, and and this game doesn't do that. You have to kind of guess. Yeah, it doesn't seem to care about the numbers. Well, it does whenever you equip stuff. Because, you know, I gave Rainy, originally I started giving Rainy stuff that gave her better attack power, and then I was like, no, she's going to be my main mage, so I started dropping attack power for magic power. And with her equipment, yeah,
1: you know. Yeah, I did a little of that, I should have done more.
0: I turned her into a glass cannon, because she had, she had, like, armor on that was really crappy as far as defense goes, but it raised her magic, like, insane so she was doing yep. like with a magic boost from uh marco uh she was doing like g thunder and g ice and g fire it was doing probably like close to 400 damage toward the end of the game yeah and that was that was what basically saved me at the final boss fight
1: yeah me too basically i funneled everything through her
0: <laughs> yeah most of my power most- was coming from her yeah
1: yeah, mostly Marco was just there to boost her um or clone her, which turned out to be the absolute best thing that I discovered towards the end of the game.
0: Clone his trans
1: turn his trans turn ability? Okay. So, Marco if you use the trans turn skill, basically just be- becomes one of the other two characters in your party for that turn slot.
0: I never used that ability. Why did nobody tell um, me about this?
1: Oh, I mean, if you're going max offense, so I would use him in the first round to usually um, boost the guard, so guard rise and magic rise. Then after that, for the next few turns, it would be G-Thunder, G-Thunder, G-Fire. All three characters doing G-Spells after a magic boost, and two of those three characters being Rainy, that, that was powerful. it could do a thousand, damage, a thousand damage a round.
0: Holy shit why did I not do this? <laughs> I didn't know what that thing did. It just said you can change turns. I was like, I don't know. Is that like turn break? And I was like, I, I'm not going to waste MP on that. I should really have experimented more.
1: Yeah. I, it, well, we can get into it, but towards the end of the game, between the change turns to stack my characters up so that I can get four or five, six attacks in a row and then his trans turn to become a different character for, for that turn, that, there was quite a bit of strategy there in how you layered your turns which I really like
0: yeah I didn't start doing that stuff until the end there too because I wanted that you know six string combo of attacks and especially
1: with Raina or Rainy her her three or four hundreds keep going up you know at one point in the end boss I had all ten all ten actions in a row and it was ten G thunders basically in a row wow
0: That could have made short work of that boss for me.
2: Yep.
0: Man, I should have used that. Anyway, well, what's, what's done is done. So, yeah, um, gosh, what was I thinking? Um, yeah, we move into Alistair. Uh, and, uh, Alistair's big bad Hugo has kind of, um, kind of been, uh, put into a corner. There's nothing really much for him left, especially now that we have um, found a way to disrupt his little weapon that turns people into sand. So, um, and the thing that we were able to disrupt disrupt was the uh, locket of uh, Erika's that we got from another timeline?
1: Yeah, the one that had the Ethereum?
0: Yeah. Which we'll find out a little bit later has something in it. That's pretty important. So uh but yeah, we use that to disrupt it so we can go into Alistair. When we go into Alistair, we basically bring our entire army with us and take it back over. Hugo has fled. He has went underground. Um he and Heist still working together. Uh, Selvon, the other general for the Grand Org Army, has obviously turned, tailed, and went to Alistel. And uh, he's like, I'm out of here. You guys are about to lose. Heist kills him.
1: Yeah, I thought that was an interesting... Well, as interesting as this game gets in in characterization, who Hugo kind of... Losing power there when Selvin basically turns his back on him. You know, Hugo's getting a bit desperate because he can't use the weapon as much as, or as a weapon as well as he wants to. Heist comes in and starts laughing at him basically, calling him weak. So, uh, I don't know, I like that whole, on the side of the bad guys, even there it's not a unified front and they're kind of bickering with each other and falling apart as the, as the pressure mounts.
0: Yeah. So Hugo goes underground to an underground lab that's up under Alistair, along with the, uh, the mad scientist, Dr. Weird Dude. What was his name? Fennel. Fennel, that's it, Fennel. Uh, and he is going to use a machine that will place a ton of mana inside of Hugo, that way he can stop the intruders from coming in. Uh, and it's all done through the power of flux. Where does he get this power? He gets it from the sword, this magical sword that was originally one of the beast kind's swords. Um, so we go through the underground lab, which is our next dungeon. Uh, I did a good amount of grinding here. Not much, but uh, enough to probably get a couple of more levels in.
1: Yeah, I I did some fighting but not much more than the minimum, I think.
0: Right. So I um I did that. We make it to Hugo. Hugo uses his uh mana power. We have a fight with him, which he is a pushover in this fight. But we get a cutscene showing that he can just rewind time and all of his wounds are healed. And we're like, "Crap." We can't do anything to him. So time basically freezes, and Tio and Lipty show up and say, you need to go back to Historia and figure out how to stop that. And uh, we know that he got his power from that sword. Well, the sword has been drained of all its powers now in Hugo, but if we take that sword to a different time period, we could reinfuse it with the power of Flux, so we take the sword, and we time travel back to uh, when we were still with the beast kind, And we talk to Elm, that one woman who couldn't stand humans. And we have to do a side quest for her. Um, basically, the sword belonged to her, I guess, her boyfriend or lover or something like that. Yeah. And um, she then realizes that, oh, my husband... Her boyfriend is actually really dead. He went to Alastel, but he's dead. And she's like, "Well, I can help you with this. I can reinfuse this with flux, and you can use it. And we get possibly the best sword in the game for for stock because only stock can use it because he still has the power of flux inside of him. Now that we have that sword, we can go back and fight Hugo. Did you have any problem with this fight? No, I... So before
1: we got here, I think when we were in Grand Org was when I made a really big investment in gear. So I also realized throughout this whole game, I've just been buying new stuff and equipping it and not selling off the old stuff. Um, and then when we... I think it was when we were in Grand Org, There were a whole lot of new pieces of equipment like diamond mail, um, a few new weapons prior to getting this sword, and then a lot of – I think there were queen studs, and there were some other – so basically I re-outfitted my entire primary three characters and had about six times the money I thought I was going to have because I went through and sold all of the old equipment that I hadn't sold for most of the game. Right. So when I got to this point, I I felt a little bit overleveled, actually, because I I thought this was not the end boss fight, but I thought this would be a big one, and I didn't have much problem with these, these fights or this fight.
0: The first time I fought him, I died, and the reason why was because I was not dealing with the reinforcements he kept bringing in. I can't stand boss fights that have minions.
1: Yeah, it's also there's a couple of fights in this game where the minions don't do much, and you just need to take out the boss first. But then there's other fights where you can't possibly be handling five people attacking you at the same time, and you need to take out those four. So, yeah, it's kind of tough depending on the fight to know which one, which strategy you need to.
0: Do. Those floating blocks, man. You 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 end up fighting the final boss a couple of times. And he has these floating blocks. Those things are worse than the boss.
1: Yeah, those and some of the crystals. Some yeah. of the fire crystals. Those, those, that fire crystal one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that with what I think is hardcore padding. <laughs> it, it is, dude. It is. So, uh, we fight Hugo. I beat him finally. I beat him on the second try. But, um, and I just, because I was stupid just going for Hugo and I should have been going for those reinforcements. They kept calling in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll beat Hugo and, uh, Hugo, um, I should, I should mention, uh, one thing is that, uh, the prophet Noah, I missed that part. Forgot about that part. So before Hugo yeah. runs off to the, to the underground lab, he tries to rally his people. And, uh, he has, uh, the prophet Noah standing in front of them and he's leaning in, listening to him and he's speaking for pro- the prophet. And the prophet falls over and it's actually just a dummy. <laughs> and everybody like turns against him. That's why he, he hightails it out of there. But, um, kind of found out the prophet Noah probably died about five years ago. And Hugo's been lying to everybody, so. Yep. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I just found that to be stupid. Yeah, uh, I thought
1: it was kind of ridiculous, and then there, there's there's the conversation about everybody's heartbroken because they don't know what to believe anymore. Oh uh, yeah. Like I feel like this is about the third or fourth time in the game that everyone in Alistair has been heartbroken and devastated, didn't know how to respond.
0: Maybe they need to go get, uh, Oliver from Nino Cooney to go fix their hearts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we, <laughs> we, um, we defeat Hugo and Hugo goes up in, in flames, literally. He, he sets himself on fire and, uh, dies with a smile on his face because he believes that he is going to see the prophet and be with him. And I remember everybody saying that I'm almost disheartened by the fact that he died happy.
1: Yeah, it was cold. Yeah. We finally beat him, but he needed to suffer more.
0: Yeah. I mean, the man literally burst into flames right in front of them and burned to death. <laughs> so I don't know. So we take over Alistair. This is the end of chapter six, and we now dive into the final chapters. Uh, the final chapter of the alternate timeline, which then runs into the final chapter of the standard timeline. In fact, you don't ever really get to choose when you go to it. It just kind of strings together.
1: Yeah, you're already committed at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh, you can save your game and you can still go to Historia and stuff like that, but... Um, Pretty much everything's going to follow this line. Um, and you'll see the reason why, because we eventually time travel to different different timelines, and we're forced to. So with the final timeline, or with, with the final uh, chapter, we're still in the alternate history. And with Erica now uh, there helping us, She now reveals that we have to do this ritual. Uh, The ritual is we have to sacrifice a person of royal blood, but it's designated to a certain person. Erica realizes that Stock has the ability to use the White Chronicle, which is the book he's been using to travel through time. And that signifies that that is the person that has to be sacrificed. Um. So then we're like, okay, we get it now. But not really.
1: Yeah, just one more hint in a line of like 40 hints
0: throughout the game. uh, We we start getting hints, oh, he has royal blood inside of him. But who is he exactly? Well, we get to find out pretty soon. Because uh there's a disturbance. Uh, the Royal Chambers has been invaded by somebody. And it can be only one person, right? There's only one person still around. And that would be Heiss. So, everything that is happening now is stuff that we kind of already knew from the very first chapter of the game. We just didn't know the details of it. So we know that there is a evil leaper, if you will, going around screwing up time. And we've always said it's probably Heiss. Guess what? Surprise! It's Heiss. Uh, and he is the wielder of the Black Chronicle. Now, you may think the Black Chronicle is the bad one and the White Chronicle is the good one. That is incorrect. Uh, both come in pairs, they are supposed to be a wielder of one and a wielder of another. Um, and Heiss is going to stop the ritual. Uh he is going to uh absorb the mana and then uh use it to basically amp up the desertification. Uh, we run to the royal chamber and face off against him once, or, or at least face off against his shadows that he creates. And throughout the rest of this chapter here, he's going to be telling us slowly, uh, after each fight, what's really going on. So. And then he runs away. And then he runs away. And then we go and find him, and we fight him again, and then he goes and runs away and this happens four times. And then we get to where he's the final fight is and the door's locked and we have to have four boss fights. So this is padding. This is textbook 101 padding in a video game. I'm sorry, but it is.
1: Yeah, I wish they could have dissociated this from you know, at least it's it's clearly the end, and we're starting to get some answers. Many games have done a better white-knuckle ride to the end, like where you're getting reveals, you're fighting fights. It, they didn't have to use padding here, I don't think, but they did. And they have other places in the game as well.
0: Yeah. There's been multiple times that we've ran into padding like this. But, so... um. Let's just go ahead and talk about what Heist reveals in these series of boss fights. I'll get to the padding, the real padding part in a second. But it's basically revealed that uh, Stock is of royal descent. He has royal blood running through his veins. And the reason why is because he is not particularly a descendant of royal blood. He is a reincarnation of royal blood. Particularly... Erica's brother, Ernst. So, so
1: do, do you know what, what that actually means? Was there a, because they, it's basically half of her soul, but they never, uh, not that they necessarily should have, but my, my big question here was where did the body come from? If it was half of her soul put into uh, a husk, or just made corporeal in it by its own means, by the by the power of flux.
0: Heiss from what I understand, Heiss i wouldn't say kidnapped, but took Stock as a child and raised him as Stock, knowing the fact that it was he was the reincarnation of Ernst.
1: But wouldn't he have been the same age, roughly, as Erica? He wouldn't have been a baby, would he? I don't know. Like, did he live 15 or 20 years and then half of his soul got turned into a baby? Like, I, I, I just, I don't really understand the timeline of, I guess, when Heist took him and gave him his new identity. Yeah. Or also where the body came from that he now inhabits.
0: Okay. Well, let me um, let me bring up the Wikipedia page for a Radiant Historian and read about the plot. In both timelines, Stock successfully overthrows Protea and defeats Hugo. Heist then attacks, saying that that the sacrifices for the ritual are or royalty who are killed, resurrected using parts of another person's soul, then killed again to reunite the soul and stabilize Vanquier's mana, which Vanquier is the name of the continent. Thron, slowing the sand plague. Stock is revealed to be the intended sacrifice. Erica's brother resurrected and given a part of Erica's soul resurrected? Yeah. Back from the...
1: Like his body, his actual body came back from the dead?
0: I guess so. Which is why I guess Erica has hinted at you look a lot like my brother. I don't so know. So then
1: if it, if it was... If it was his actual body and he still looks the same, I guess that's a... That's quite a philosophical question of self. Is, is he at all still actually himself or did her soul just give him the power to reanimate and he still is himself. I don't understand, I guess necessarily the differentiation between his body and her soul.
0: All right. So here, here we go. Here we go. Uh, heist, believing the ritual and the sacrifices suffering to be pointless intends to, uh, let the sand plague consume Vanquir. He abducted Stock, gave him his present identity, and has been using the Black Chronicle to try and show Stock the fertility of the sacrifice's mission. Okay, from Heiss and Teo and Lipty, Stock learns that the Sand Plague was caused by a runaway spell intended to stabilize the world's mana and ensure the prosperity of the ancient empire. The Empire's surviving royalty created the Black and White Chronicles to facilitate the ritual, allowing the sacrifice to see hope in the future, while the caster meditated on the past. Teo and Lipti are the remnants of the sorcerer who created these chronicles. Heis was uh, the intended sacrifice, but escaped with the Black Chronicle, which ingrained his fatalistic views.
1: Uh, see, there, there's so much more to this story. Yeah. Like I would have loved to see Heiss dealing. Like I mean, they they hinted a few things in the end, but I, I would have loved to see him at some point transitioning because that that phrase to me sounds like he wasn't as fatalistic and he got almost corrupted by the the Black Chronicle.
0: It is. Whereas it's, that's what happened. So it, it's my understanding that Heiss was uh the intended uh person to be sacrificed. So what we don't know is is heiss is the um the he was the brother of the king. So he's basically Erica's uncle.
1: And how often how often do they say they do this ritual? I don't know. Is it once a generate once a generation?
0: I think it's once a generation they have to do it. So it it was heiss
1: a generation before it was going to be stock? And because Heist wasn't sacrificed by the time stock was going to be, the desertification had already happened, or started? Started coming back,
0: yeah. So Heist ran away. When he found out he was going to be the sacrifice, he ran away and ended up killing his brother. Um, which was the king of Granorg. And Heist ran away with the Black Chronicle as he was using the black Chronicle, the black Chronicle shows basically what it shows all the bad things that happen.
1: Yeah. It caused him to reflect on all the negativity that all, all the sacrifices that have been made and not necessarily the, the, the outcomes that those sacrifices were in support of.
0: Right. And, the Black Chronicle is normally supposed to be for the person who is going to be doing the sacrificing, not the person being sacrificed. The person being sacrificed is given the White Chronicle, and the White Chronicle is supposed to show you, give you hope as to this is why you are being sacrificed.
1: So brainwash you into sacrificing yourself.
0: Basically, yeah. So, um, Heiss has decided and so and it's asked you know stocks like why did you give me the white chronicle and he was like because i wanted to show you basically everything heist was like i'm doing this all for you to make sure you don't die because shouldn't he shouldn't he shouldn't he have given stock the black chronicle then i don't know i don't understand the logic Yeah, it sounds
1: like if you give somebody the White Chronicle, you're setting them up to want to sacrifice themselves. So I guess I'm confused why Heist would give it to him if he didn't want Stock to sacrifice himself.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I guess I'm also still hazy on the timeline. It sounds sounds like after Heist's generation and there was no sacrifice, the desertification starts. And then, just prior to Stock being sacrificed, he's kidnapped. Or no, because I, I guess I, did, did, was Stock actually sacrificed? No. Then, then was, what, how was he? How was he resurrected then?
0: Stock is the resurrection of Ernst. So, so Ernst. Ernst Ernst was killed. But not sacrificed. But not sacrificed using the ritual. Okay. So, so he was then resurrected. So he's and, he's and then abducted. And then abducted, yeah. So um basically um what we're getting at is Heiss wants the desertification to happen because he says this entire thing is completely useless. Why do we want to save this?
1: Let nature run its course.
0: Yeah. So, um eventually after a bunch of boss fights and going through another dungeon, uh, we fight Heist multiple times. He then begins leaping through time, which then leaks into the standard timeline. Because he runs away and after we beat him, he says, Okay, I'll end this before before you and Erica ever even met. And that's when we go to the standard timeline, and we save Erica from Heist, who has now leaped into the past and is trying to kill her there. Uh, and then he leaps again after we fight him again.
1: Yeah, and I like how Heist blames Erica, saying, "You're you're using him. You're basically trying to get him to sacrifice himself. Basically, trying to play her as a bad guy."
0: Yeah. So we make it back to where we would do the ritual. We have another boss fight. Uh, I should mention that all these boss fights, while it posed a bit of an issue, I had stored up enough mana crystals to where every time I was at a save point, I could just restore everything.
1: Yeah, I, I only started, I hadn't used them throughout the entire game mainly because it was so expensive to purchase them so there's always that little hooded guy that was trying to sell me crystals probably stolen but for ridiculous prices so i just kept saving them up and never used them Uh, but then at the end of the game here i'm like i i need to keep all of my best items to use in battles so i'm just going to use these yeah these shards and shards in between battles at save points
0: so there was two items that became the most useful items uh, the one that heals your entire party for three hundred hit points I can't remember yep. what I can't remember what this is called It's like a healing seed or something like that or a healing branch I can't remember well the the meta
1: branch I think is the one that that heals the whole team for a thousand right well, I only ever had one of those so I never actually ended up using it in the game
0: i had I had one of those and I used it on the final one. Um, I had the one that was right below it. I had yeah, right yeah, I used those. Yeah, I yep. used that, and the other one, and the unsung friggin' hero of this entire thing is Might Herbs.
1: Really, I thought you were gonna say, um, the T's, teas like the celestial teas that give you the, like there was essentially the equivalent where it would give the entire party. Two hundred or one, I think one hundred or two hundred MP. I needed that all the time because rainy for me, you know, four turns in was out of out of mana.
0: Yeah, I, I used those a good amount too. But the my herb made stock actually useful.
1: Really, I never I never did that because I was always using his G fire once I got it.
0: Mm-mm, nah, he, he's not he's not the magic user in my team. He is the the warrior. So I gave I'd, I'd make uh. Marco use a might herb on him and have him do uh either power wave or double slash and he was easily doing close to two hundred damage each time. So mm-hmm. I was able to do some double slashes with some G fires or with uh with Rainy and mm-hmm. they were they were melting dudes.
1: Yeah, I guess, for me, the one thing that swayed me to keep him using magic was the fact that Marco had magic rise, so it would boost magic for all three of them. And because of that, I was using G-fires with stock, and then G-thunders with rainy. Because I didn't want to have to use, like, take two turns to boost both of them.
0: Right. Well, Marco was doing nothing else. He would rarely heal... (laughs) Because I was just, like, un- unloading damage on guys, pretty much. So I just, yeah, I had him using my herb, and that made stock actually useful in a fight. Oh, nice. Um, so, um yeah, we make it back to where we're going to have the ritual. We have one last boss fight with Heiss. When we beat him, he then turns into a monstrosity. He basically leaps to Historia and pulls us in as well. He then melds with Historia itself, so he looks like a monster made of buildings and staircases.
1: Yeah, I was going to say like Akira. (laughs) A little bit, just like a conglomeration of stuff.
0: Yeah, he looks like that, or he looks like, you remember Persona 3? Uh, what was the name of the the tower that you were constantly climbing in Persona Three? The tart is it the Tartarus? Yeah, Tartarus. Yeah, Tartarus. It looks like that. It's it's like it's probably like the size of a skyscraper. And so proceeds the final boss fight of this game. Uh, yeah, when- which really
1: I I don't think there was time to heal between the two, so it was really almost. Four
0: forms. Yeah, it was technically four forms. Another trope that I can't stand in JRPGs is a boss fight that has multiple forms. And this one has four. So, what is it called? Apocalypto or something like that? Apocrypha? Apocrypha? I think, yeah. So Apocrypha is what the name of this boss is. And you have to fight three tiers of it. So basically when you kill it, it then falls down a level. And then you fight it again. And then it falls down a level. It's, this right here was the, the test of my items. <laughs> basically. Yep please don't say you've wasted
1: all your good items because you need them <laughs> yeah
0: that that was basically what it was I somehow did all four of these boss fights without losing but at the end Marco was dead right <laughs> of course he was uh, right he was feared and had 1g fire left and stock was he still had plenty of MP. <laughs> But I was able to to beat him uh when he when we beat him uh a heist basically dissipates into nothing um, and that i mean it was, i mean what what else is there? we go we go through with the ritual to stop the desertification yep. Uh, It cuts to, I guess, months later. And it shows everybody, you know, standard JRPG stuff of what's everybody up to these days. Uh, And everybody's talking about how stock, you you know, you were such a great guy and can't wait to see you again. Uh, They're all at these grave sites. Uh, It's Rosh and um, Sonya are at a grave site. And Sonya mentions that you didn't give a gravestone to Stock. He's like, well... That's because... uh, He'll be back again. And as Rosh is walking away from... The uh, graveyard... uh, He turns and looks and thinks he sees Stock running up. And uh, there's a flash of light real quick. And... A bunch of Alistair soldiers, along with Keel shows up.
2: Back from the dead.
0: And he was like, yeah. He's like, what happened to you guys? I thought you guys were dead. He's like, nah, man. He's like, it's been a long time. We finally got back to you. But there was some guy, I can't remember what his name was. He saved us. Came out of nowhere and saved us. He wore red. And I was like, Ah. So from beyond the grave, Stock went back and made sure Kiel came home safe. What and, a guy Stock is. Yeah. And it fades to black, and we see Tio and Lipty there, and they're talking to us. I guess they're talking to Stock, but it looks like they're talking to the the player, saying, Good job, but you know, you could probably see something else if you keep playing. And that's when I realized this game has a quote-unquote true ending. And that was about five hours ago, and I did not want to play any more of this game.
1: <laughs> Ringing
0: endorsement. So I'm not going to say that I disliked this game, but I was just, I have put like 36 hours into it. I just want to be done with it. So here's what I will tell you, Matt. Are you going to do the true ending of this game? No. Okay. I well, would do. I would do a sequel to
1: this game, but I, I, I feel like I've already saved the world. I, I feel a pretty good sense of completion here. Unless you tell me that the that the true ending is life changing. I don't think I'm going to see it other than maybe on YouTube.
0: Okay, so I YouTubed the ending to the original Radiant Historia. The original ending requires that you complete a par- it's not all side quests. There are about six side quests that you must complete in order to get the true ending. Here's what happens in the true ending. When you beat Heiss, Heiss sees the resolve in Stock and realizes that Stock is right and that a sacrifice should be made to save the world. Heiss then decides, sacrifice me. So Heiss chooses to become the sacrifice. He sacrifices himself and Stock is is allowed to live oh so that is okay. the that is the true ending to radiant historia now there is a third ending in the perfect chronology version the truest ending the truest of true endings i have not seen this one i i have i have it here on the wikipedia the expanded storyline of the Perfect Chronology version has Stock interacting with a woman named Nemesia aboard a ship exiting outside, existing outside of time, collecting artifacts. Stock helps Nesette and Nemesia bring together a third magical book dubbed the Red Chronicle with the aim of stopping the desertification. Once all the artifacts are retrieved, Stock journeys to before Heiss' sacrifice and persuades him to lend the power of the Black Chronicle. Stock reunites with the group and Nemesia. Nemesia reveals that the desertification was actually caused by a mana-consuming entity dubbed the Singularity, created by the Empire's experiments when creating the Chronicles. Using the three Chronicles' combined powers... The party destroys the singularity who is revealed to be Nemesia's fiance, Rodan, negating the need for a sacrifice. Nemesia chooses to stay with her fiance outside of time. In their own world, the characters settle down to a normal life with Stock and Heist parting as friends. Nemesia and Rodan are ultimately brought into the real world by Stock using a newly generated artifact from the Red Chronicle called the Red Seed and everybody lives happily ever after. I added that last part.
1: (laughs) So, does that as the cause change what was in the original description of the cause? It sounded like they were trying to stabilize the flux, or stabilize the the mana.
0: Yes. And that... that Yeah, that game, the, the perfect chronology version retcons that part of the of the story which is interesting because to me it changes the interpretation of the end
1: of the normal game because if it was those experiments into mana stabilization that caused the desertification in the first place i find it interesting that at the very end of this game they're saying exactly the same thing um after after stock has been sacrificed erica and Ott are basically talking about how they've been researching ways to stabilize mana and they don't think they're going to have to do any more sacrifices in the future. Because that's exactly what caused the whole problem in the first place. Got a little bit of a
0: a cyclical vibe to it. Yeah. They've, they they completely changed it. So, to be honest with you, I kind of like the, the quote unquote bad ending.
1: Yeah, yeah, I kind of like that original bad ending
0: with Stock sacrificing himself, and evil is brought to justice. You kill Heiss, and Stock then gives yeah. up his own life to save the world.
1: Yeah, it's got a good sense of finality, and you know everything you are working for. You, you had to sacrifice it, but you did win in the end. If everybody lives happily ever after, it it loses some of its potency. I think.
0: I think so, too. So, we have an email. Long-awaited email from Dustin. He's been waiting months to send this to us. It says, uh, hey guys, it's been a long ride, and you finally beat Raiden Historia, but was it worth it? Overall, I didn't like this game. I thought the battle system was fun, but I never died that much. The story didn't get interesting until chapter 4, but once you kind of knew what was going on, the ending had no surprise. Most of the characters I didn't care for, and I only used Randy and Marco since their levels would carry over between timelines, and since you always had access to them, it was pointless to level up the other party members. Time travel was not very interesting at all, Just you just follow one timeline until you hit a roadblock and then switch and vice versa. I also took the time to do the required side quests to get the true ending, and the majority of those weren't very entertaining either. I really don't understand the game's high praise. Uh, to me, it's just a mediocre RPG. I also liked the tag on relationship at the end of the game between Rainy and Stock. No build-up at all, and then all of a sudden a love confession scene? Really? Anyway, I'm glad to hear you're doing Final Fantasy XII, even though I won't be able to join you since I'll be busy. However, I might write in since I played it when it released on PS2. Do you guys plan on playing Snatcher at all, since it seems like uh, Matt uh, could... What's that?
1: Uh just got me excited.
0: Yeah. It says since uh, Matt could provide a copy to each listener. <laughs> I know you guys plan on doing Red Dead 2. Uh this year and I'll probably skip out on that as well since I don't feel the need to replay it but maybe after those two games uh if there's time for another game you should do an old school rpg like lufia or lunar or legend of dragoon or something like that Uh, I'd give
1: two thumbs up to any any of those choices yeah uh
0: also do sweet home for october totally worth totally worth it one of my favorite nes games anyways until next time dustin Thank you for that email, Dustin. Uh, I'm sorry you didn't like Radiant Historia. I, I still really like this game. Um,
1: I I would agree I like this game, but I would also agree with almost every point that he made in the email.
0: Yeah, it's um, it, it has a lot of plot holes and it has a lot of, I, I guess, just issues. I had an issue with the padding. There was at least. I'd say there's at least 5 hours of padding in this game and it's not fun. Yeah. But I overall I still think it's a pretty enjoyable game. I get it, you know, the time the time travel isn't as intricate as like I don't know, like Chrono Trigger or something, but I always thought it was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I think it's more interesting in concept though than in execution. Like, I don't think you do much interesting with the time travel. Yeah. And I would almost rather they were more different from each other. And, yeah, I I don't know. To me, everything about this game came to a head at the end, which uh, maybe that's true of most games. But, Ah. like, like when it comes to, like, the things I liked were best at the end. Like, I... I I enjoyed the combat throughout the game, but I didn't really feel like it was important until the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So, like, going going back to that very end boss, the first time I fought those three forms, it was weird because I, I beat the first form knowing that there were three. I beat the first one. I'm like, okay, that wasn't too bad. I You know, he does hit hard, but, you know, I, I think I'm ready for this. And then I get into the second form, and, I, and I'm, I'm starting to chip away at him. Maybe he's about a quarter of the way down on his life bar. And then he puts all three of my party members to sleep. And uh, I didn't take another turn. And then the next turn, he turned one of my guys to stone. And then the next turn after that, he turned another guy to stone. And then the next turn after that, my third guy got turned to stone, and I got a game over.
0: That so, is that it, is when you start using equipment. That prevents that stuff.
1: Yeah, so that, that that's the thing, though. I, I I couldn't tell how hard it was because he didn't really do that much damage to me in that second form, but I still lost miserably. I had no chance. Right. So I went back through, and I picked up nine Sky Drops. I, I went back to the one point in the game where you can get resistance plus two to everything, and I was going to load my characters up. Then I went back to the end boss again. I never equipped him, and then I just I started playing with the combat system more. And I saved up my turn break so that I could take all 10 of those turns in a row. I think in that second form, he only hit me once. And then I did 10 G spells and wiped him out in one one turn. One really long turn. So, like, I feel like there weren't enough... They, they didn't do enough to, like, challenge the system. So, for example, I thought it was cool that the very first form of heist, you can only damage him by pushing a shadow on top of him and then attacking both at the same time because that's something we've been doing since the very beginning of the game, but you've never really had to do it. I wish there were more of those instances where they, they played with the combat system to make you think a little bit differently. That would have been a really big plus to this game. I like the combat, but I don't know that they did quite enough with it. I also really like the ending themes of heist and stock in how they're connected. They're kind of intertwined in their history and in their, their roles. But all of that comes out right at the end. I wish more of the game had been parallels between the two. Like for, I don't know, for example, like if there's two timelines, what if in one of them you were playing heist's sacrifice and one of them you're playing stock sacrifice. And then they come together in the end somehow. I don't know. I wish they would have played up that, Duality of those characters. Yeah,
0: that would have been kind of cool.
1: Cause the end of the game to me seems like it's all about those two characters and their relationship and their understanding of each other's motives. But that's not what the rest of the game was about, really, so it, it just doesn't seem quite as cohesive as it could have. Yeah. So I don't know, that was like the things I really liked all came out at the end, but they, they couple that with the padding and I felt like it took a long time to get to where I really enjoyed the things I did like about this game
0: yeah Eh, I don't know overall I still enjoyed it but there was some issues with it
1: yeah Uh, I I would say I still enjoyed it I kind of wish going all the way back to that first episode that I had played the perfect chronology version yeah both for the extra content but also for the You know the anime cutscenes and the voice acting, and I I do think that stuff would have helped me immerse a little bit more into that world because it did feel a little bit flat. Um, And some of that's some of that might be the extra bells and whistles that weren't there. Some of that might have been that the characters were pretty one-dimensional. Yeah, Um, but you know, not not real big knocks. I think if. I know this was heavily recommended, and I by you, and that's why I picked it up. And I did really enjoy the game. Um, if they if they ever come out with a sequel, I, w- I would love to play it.
0: Yeah, Atlas. Um, I, I don't think this is the Persona team, but you know Atlas created it. I don't know if they'll make another one. We'll see. I guess it was really. I think they were testing the waters with the Perfect Chronology version. Have you heard
1: anything about how it's done?
0: No, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I could probably look it up here and see how how well it sold.
1: Yeah, and it, it seems like a certainly a well-regarded game and one that you would consider a hit. though so, you know, if you're mining the catalog, it seems like it might be a natural pick at some point.
0: Well, let's see here. Uh, Radiant Historia Perfect Knowledge debuts at 25,000 copies sold in Japan. Um, that was a year ago. We didn't get it until this year. Uh, this week in sales. Eh, everything's... Let me take a look on the Wikipedia page. Sales upon its release, Radiant Historia debuted at number six with 32,000 units. Now that was on, that was back in 2010. It says it was being the second highest release following Fallout New Vegas and selling through through just under 44% of its initial shipment. By the end of the year, the game had sold 56,000 units upon North release. Uh, North American debut. the game Reached the top of Nintendo's DS charts The following month the game dropped at number 3 Perfect Chronology debuted at number 1 Selling uh, 21,000 units And pushing Nintendo Switch exclusive Arms 2 to number 2 After 2 weeks of the top charts So there you go Accolades uh, The IGN's Best 2011 Awards uh, Nominated as The Best 3DS and DS Story Nintendo Life gave it Honorable Mention for the Game of the Year. RPG Fan gave it the Best Traditional RPG Award tied with Legends of Heroes, Trails in the Sky. Uh, Game Informer gave it the Best Old School Homage Award. And the AV Club chose it as the... uh, or Samantha Nelson from the AV Club chose it as her staff pick for Game of the Year. RPG Gamer chose the game as third place of the RPG of the year award in two thousand ten. So I don't know about the perfect chronology version. I don't know if it sold very well or not. I would say it did alright. Yeah.
1: Um I would I would still certainly check out a sequel if it ever comes.
0: Yeah. I would too. Maybe expand on it a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, well, thank you for the email, Dustin. And uh, if you guys want to send us any other emails, it is Drew at ZTGD.com. Uh, you can also uh, tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Our next game is the first Final Fantasy game we have done on this show, which is titled for an item that is in a Final Fantasy game, we're doing Final Fantasy Twelve. The I, I guess both of us are playing the Zodiac Age version. Yep. Okay, so we are playing the remade version with all of the. A
1: slight part of me wanted to go back and pick up the old version of the game so that I because I I still have it and I don't want it to have beaten me but maybe I've learned from my perfect chronology mistake and I'm going to go with the the smoother better looking updated version
0: I have heard that the best thing about the Zodiac Age is the fact that there is a fast forward button <laughs> I have heard that that saves so much time because apparently you do a lot of running around in this game. Yeah, you do. I have a lot of deserts. I
1: this have post desertification.
0: Yeah. I have no idea what to expect from this game. I have, I have seen probably 10 screenshots of this game. I have never seen this game in action.
1: Yeah, Period. it was, it was striking to me but I, I don't know how it fits in aesthetically with the other final fantasies as well because most of what i've played a final fantasy of all of them has come recently but final fantasy 12 again is well we can get into it next week but it was more it's it's one of the final fantasies that i've put the most time into and it's certainly the only one that i've really put a lot of time into on launch mm-hmm So it it was new and it was big when it came out for me because it was the one I was like, at that time I said, all right, this is going to be the first Final Fantasy that I beat. Uh, Certainly I didn't, but now I'm going to say the same thing about same
0: game years later. Well, there you go. I've, like, God, sorry. I have, uh, but yeah, I have, I know absolutely nothing of this game. I have, it, it well we'll get into it next week when we get our, into our history of the game but uh, that's it for us I appreciate everybody listening and thanks for sticking with us through Radiant Historia I know it's been two months it took us that long to beat this game but a lot of things happened in those two months <laughs> but uh, yeah that's it for us I appreciate everybody listening until next time I'm Drew and I'm Matt. And we're out here. You guys have a great week, and we'll be back next week with the beginning of Final Fantasy Twelve.